Welcome to Season 2 of The Morning Glory Project. I'm your host, Betsy Graziani-Fassbender. And on this podcast, I bring to you guests of a lot of different kinds, survivors and thrivers, innovators and trailblazers, folks that have fallen down and gotten back up, folks that have been knocked down and gotten back up. Basically, I ask every single guest the same question. How did you get through what you got through? And the reason I ask that is because I think that when we share those stories, we gain empathy for those different than ourselves. We gain understanding from those whose circumstances may resemble our own. But we all get to walk away with a little notion of how we might get through whatever we're going through. I hope you enjoyed these stories and feel free to go to themorningglory.project.com to find any past episodes or to listen to one again and feel free to share us out with your friends and give us a reviewer like we sure do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'm ever so happy today to welcome to the Morning Glory Project Tony Gatoni, which is one of my favorite names in the entire world. Tony Gatoni fell in love with gardening in her grandfather's backyard in Chicago. But it wasn't until she moved to Northern California that her passion really began to bloom. She was a sales executive in corporate America for 17 years, but when the gardening bug kept biting, she started a sales company selling gifts and garden products to the retail market. 28 years later, Tony closed the doors to her business so that she could focus on her encore career as an author and speaker. When Tony became a master gardener in Marin County, she started speaking on her love of gardening, but her chronic back pain kept her from gardening with gusto. So she developed a seminar and wrote a book on adaptive gardening and never looking back. Her book, The Lifelong Gardener, Garden with Ease and Joy at Any Age, reflects Tony's true passion and purpose, helping gardeners to do what they love to do, garden for life in comfort, ease, and joy. So I want to welcome you, Tony, to the Morning Glory Project. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you so much, Betsy. It's really a joy to be here. Well, and you and I had a conversation in preparation for this one, and you sort of expressed some doubts about, gee, am I really, I've listened to some of those Morning Glory stories, and mine doesn't sound like that. And I want to reassure you that it does, because these are stories of determination. And and as I looked at your book and, and your website and the things, and I talked with you, you were determined to continue to grow, continue not, not to both literally grow <laughs> and to grow as a human, to, to be a, a happy, satisfied person, even as your body was aging and changing. And I think that's a message for lots of us. So I want, I want to thank you for that notion. And please tell me, what was it? You talked about a chronic back condition. What was it like for you thinking about that you were going to have to give up this passion? Well, gardening has, has been such a joy in my life. And as I laid on my sofa, unable to do much of anything, I kept looking out my sliding glass door into my garden and I could see my roses desperately needed to be deadheaded and there was no way. And life kind of changed for me when I, I thought about if I could find a way to adapt. At which point I took another pain pill, came into my office and searched until I found an article that I had read about adaptive gardening. 
And I spent the rest of my time recuperating, researching the subject, realizing that I'm not alone. And this was something that perhaps was going to be my way of giving back. Hmm. Well, tell me, for you, what is it about gardening that's so soul-feeding? Oh, so many ways, um, especially in, in light of the challenging times that we've been through. My garden was my salvation. When there were days that it was just too hard to watch the news, I'd grab my pruner and head outside. And there's something that's magical about gardening is that when you're pruning a plant, that's all you can think about <laughs> is that plant in front of you. So is it sort of brings you a sense of being present in the moment? Is that what you mean? Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But additionally, it's, it's a way of reducing your stress because it promotes relaxation. I mean, you're surrounded by beauty. You're, you're feeling a sense of accomplishment by growing beautiful flowers or, or harvesting a head of lettuce. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then there's the physical aspects because gardening is really good exercise, especially if you do it consciously so that you don't create more pain, but you're always thinking about the best way to do something without pain. You, you can't go do that weekend warrior thing where you neglect the garden for six months and then get a wheelbarrow and bust your back oh, up. Is that, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I used to, and then Monday morning would come and I couldn't get out of bed. Mm. So now I, I'm really observant of how much time I spend. And I typically try to garden early in the morning or later in the day, because as we age, we don't have the tolerance for heat as we used to. And it's getting hotter around here. Uh -huh. <laughs> we live in Northern California, both in, both you and I do. And uh, this week has been, this last couple of weeks has been pretty rugged heat-wise. I mean, you're on a podcast named The Morning Glory Project, and there's no <laughs> accident that I was drawn to you because the metaphor also, not only the literal joy of being around nature and seeing growth and seeing beauty, but the metaphor of it. I wonder if that plays in for you too. There's, I, I chose the, the morning glory as an, as the image because it's such a determined vine that seeks the light, no matter what, and think, no matter what the obstacles are, it climbs over under around and through them. You can chop it down and it comes back and all of that. So for me, nature provides an endless metaphor for determination and hope and all of that. I'm wondering, what are the spiritual aspects of gardening for you, or are there any? Well, I, I, to just first address the morning glory, it's a very resilient plant. Mm -hmm. It just keeps going. <laughs> Even when you don't want it to. <laughs> Even when, exactly. <laughs> Even when you don't want it, it can be... Um, it gets past any obstacle it has. Mm -hmm. And as we age, we're looking at our lives and, and we all have challenges. We all have face 
tragedy or illness or a variety of challenges. And if we can be resilient and think of that morning glory as a way of not reacting, but responding Mm -hmm. and doing it in a way that allows for you to come out on the other side. I mean, you still may feel anger, grief, disappointment, but you can keep functioning. Well, and not only that, but as I'm seeing it, I'm seeing that it's also about not just functioning, but living with your passion, the thing that, that restores you. And for you, it's gardening. For somebody else, it might be cooking or painting or writing or how it could be anything. But then I always wonder, you know, I look at my husband, my husband is the gardener in our family. I'm going to confess to you, Tony, that long ago, I figured out that I really love having a garden, (laughs) but I like it when somebody else makes it. (laughs) So I'm a little bit on the lazy side in that way. My husband can disappear into the garden all day and be working all day. And he's if anyone ever watches me on Zoom calls, my my computer screen faces out of my studio, and they often see a fellow with a wheelbarrow going back and forth and back and forth <laughs> because that's what he does. And I watch that, and I I'm also aware that you know we're not getting any younger either, and that I wonder what what's it going to be like for him when his physicality isn't what it is now. It's different now in his seventies than it was in his forties, of course. But I'm wondering. And so I see that in your book, not only do you share this sort of as your own journey, but you offer methods for people. We're going to talk specifically about gardening, but I, but as you're listening, listeners out there, I'd like you to think of this for whatever endeavor, whether it's cooking or art or music or travel or whatever. In fact, we have a, another Morning Glory Project guest who wrote a book called No Spring Chicken. She's Francine Falk Allen, and she writes about adaptive traveling for people uh-huh. with limited abilities. You, you, the two of you would probably have some things in common. So can you talk a little bit about what kinds of things that you did in your own garden and what kinds of things you help others do to adapt so with their changing bodies or with their bodies that perhaps were born with limited abilities? Sure, sure. Well, more than anything else, uh, I think it's important for the gardener to know themselves. What activity brings them pain or discomfort? And then it's a matter of applying various tips and techniques so that you can identify other creative ways to get things done. Can you give me an example? Well, for example, uh, someone with a bad back. Try to look around to identify vertical gardening opportunities in your garden so that you can stand up to tend and harvest whatever it is that's growing, whether it's a rose bush or, or pole beans. Things that grow up instead of across. <laughs> of course, yes. Also to sit down, put containers or elevated raised beds in your garden so that you can sit down next to it. It truly can help you to garden for much longer if you're continually thinking about looking for new ways. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's funny, not too far from our home, 
there's a retirement community and each of the little apartments has a, a small patio. And I noticed that about every sixth or eighth one, it's just packed with plants. <laughs> you know, there's lots of pots and there's their garden. And, and I'm wondering, and I know that you live in a home and you have, you know, a, I wouldn't say acreage, but you've got, you've got a little bit of space in your garden. It's not a huge garden, but it's, you've got some space outside your home, but can you see perhaps how people who then have to change their environment don't have a yard anymore? Maybe those who never had a yard. Do you see people getting satisfying gardening experiences in those tiny spaces? Almost definitely. Yeah. I mean, even if they only have room for a, a, a couple of pots, to create a salad bowl that they can enjoy fresh salads every day. Hmm. There's always ways. There's always another way. <laughs> well, now, so here's where I'm going to ask you outside of the gardening world, that, that quality that you have that says there's always another way, where do you get that? Has that always been true for you that you always have been a person that sees it that way? Or do you think that that's something that you've developed? I have developed it. it. It's really been in the last uh, 10 years since my back pain brought me a great deal of uncertainty as to how am I going to keep doing what I was doing. At the time, I had my own manufacturer's rep organization, and I had 12 reps on the road. And I would go out with my briefcases carrying samples and, and catalogs <laughs> and calling on customers. And one day my chiropractor said, you can't do this anymore. You can't get in and out of your car eight, ten times a day carrying heavy things. Hmm. And I was like, okay, what do I do? And I had, I had my business for 28 years, but the last 10 years, I loved it until I didn't. <laughs> because it caused you pain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I promised the universe that if they illuminated my path and brought me to a path where I could not only help myself, but help others, I promised I would follow it no matter what. And I think that's where the determination started. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. I promised the universe that if it would illuminate my path so that I could help myself, I would promise to help others too. That's quite a little promise that you said in the, in, <laughs> in the quiet darkness, isn't it? It is. This is more than gardening, Tony. I mean, not that gardening isn't beautiful and special. And I'm even as I'm here, I'm looking out at the stalks of beautiful golden gladiolas that my husband planted outside my window and the, and the hydrangeas that are just going crazy right now. I, I love all of that. But this is more, this is more about a faith yes. that you can remain vital and age gracefully and still have some portion of your passion does that feel true to you? Most definitely. When I got this idea, and, and I wasn't sure if it was the pain pills, <laughs> that <laughs> I, this is what I wanted to do, and I started thinking about it, and I thought, can I do this? Can I 
become a professional speaker and let go of my business, that was a huge leap of faith for me. Because I was, I was comfortable as an entrepreneur, but did I, did I have the chutzpah? Did I have the self-confidence that I could get in front of 500 people and communicated a message that I basically dreamed up? <laughs> hmm. And far be it for me to ask this so blatantly, but what age were you at the, at that point? Uh, let's see. It was, um, 66. So it wasn't like you came to this at 22, you no. know, that, and, <laughs> and I say that because that notion of finding a new direction, even as we grow older is really inspiring to me. And then also I want to kind of come back to this idea of, of also aging gracefully. Mm -hmm. I had a dear one in my life, an extended family member who lived to be 97 and, and I've had other family members who did it differently. Like I, I've seen a lot of people get older and when it's time to give up the car, cause it's not so safe for them to drive anymore, they really buck against it and they get stubborn and drive way longer than they ought to. Or, or when it's time for them not to live alone anymore, they get really frustrated about that and kind of there's family conflict over it. But I watched this one loved one of ours who, when it was time for her to leave the home that she'd lived in for 50 years and she was widowed, she said, oh, people said I'd be so sad about it, but you know what? It's one less floor to clean. I, I, I like my little apartment now. And then when it was time for her to give up her driver's license, it's like, oh, well, now I get to ride with my friend. You know, there was a a way of looking at the adaptation that had to be made not as a loss, but as a gain. And it seems like when, when I was reading elements of your book, I kept seeing little pieces of that, like, oh, if you can't do that, then you can do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that kind of what you said, there's always a way. Mm -hmm. I rather love that. Well, thank you for that. Um, the other guiding principle I have that I like to share with people is never give up. I think that is so critical because when I decided I wanted to do this, I went and interviewed this woman who was living in the Redwoods and she was the very first Marin Master Gardener president. So I went to her to interview her, to ask her in her seventies, how has she changed as she's aged? She said, oh, I don't garden anymore. I said, pardon me? <laughs> You're blowing my whole thesis here. <laughs> <laughs> You're messing up the story. Yeah. <laughs> and it was fascinating to me because she had thrown in the trowel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great expression. She'd thrown in the trowel. <laughs> and I won't do that. And maybe that's that faith and determination is that if I can't get something done, I'll be darned. I'm going to keep searching, even if it means reaching out to other people to help. Well, so you're not saying that, I mean, of course, if, you're, if your physical limitations became difficult, such that gardening in the way, or you had to move to a smaller place and had just a patio or whatever, you're not saying that you won't adapt, but that you just won't give up completely, that you'll stay engaged with this passion of yours. Right, right. Because it is so very 
very important to me. Mm. Yeah. I've involved my husband. He's become uh, quite the gardener himself. He loves it. And this was a man who grew up with, you know, a father who used to mow the lawn, and that was gardening. <laughs> and, and I can see the joy that it brings to him to be part of this. Well, so Tony, let, let me go back to, to this, this other chapter that you talked about, which is, could, do I have the chutzpah to get up in front of a group of 500 people? Do, can I go out and do this? Can I publish a book? Well, here, I have your book in my hand, your beautiful book. What's it been like for you to actually do this, to have the, the book and before, even before, during and after its publication, before COVID, of course, what was your speaking life like? Did you find your chutzpah? I did. I did. I started with Master Gardeners doing my program, you know, at no charge, of course, as a way of giving back to our community. And then somebody said to me one day, well, you know, what is your speaker fee? And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> and it it, it kind of went from there. Um, I started taking my sales skills and applying them instead of selling products that I had been doing for so many years, I applied it to selling myself. And the message that I want to bring to people, writing a book, I've got two books that I've already started, but it was not my idea to write a garden book. But it was at the Northwest Flower and Garden Show in Seattle I, I taught two different seminars, my adaptive gardening seminar, and then the other was growing edibles in containers. And several days after the show ended, I got a call from an acquisitions editor, and her question changed my life. Are you interested in turning your seminar into a book? So you didn't write a book and shop it out and try to find try to find a publisher. The publisher came to you. Yes. First of all, in in my former life, I might have called that a lucky break, but I don't believe in luck. I believe that <laughs> luck is that, as it said, it's the it's when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. <laughs> that that's what luck is. And you'd been preparing for this as a gardener, as a master gardener, as a trainer, as a speaker, all this time, and then the opportunity presented itself. And by golly, you wrote your book. Right? Well, <laughs> you see, my belief is that the universe came through. Well, you made it a promise. <laughs> it paid off, right? I made a promise. And <laughs> suddenly, as daunting as it was, because I, I do not recommend learning how to write a book while you're writing a book. I don't <laughs> think it's the best way to proceed. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be the first person that's done that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to hate to shatter your illusions, but <laughs> I, I'm writing my fourth book right now, and I'm learning how to write a book while I'm writing a book. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's the darn truth of it. Yeah, yeah. Again, someone came to me and said, "What you are giving people is valuable, and we feel that this is a message that people will want to hear." Well, it's a beautiful message. 
it's a beautiful message and I'm I'm glad you said yes to it because I'm I'm a metaphor girl again. I I believe that your book is true on a number of levels. It has the practical level of how to have adaptive tools and how to modify your yard and how to stay active and healthy and honor your body and all of those beautiful practical kinds of things. And the metaphor of it to me is about staying alive. And I don't mean just literally alive, but it's being alive as long as you're alive, staying engaged with what feeds your soul and your passion and adapting as you must, but continuing like that morning glory, seeking the light and pushing toward that. Well, how gardening is very similar to life is that when you plant a garden, you have a vision, you have a dream. And it's the same way in life. That's why the ideas are very, very transferable. Gardening truly is a metaphor for life. You know, as we're coming out of COVID, you have to be willing to plant the seeds of where you want to go. What is your life going to look like? And then you have to have patience. Mm. Because it takes time for those seeds to grow. And you can't make a tree bear fruit on schedule. <laughs> well, you know, it strikes me that a gardener is the ultimate optimist. Yes. In lots of ways, <laughs> right? And yes. I, I watch I watch my husband and you know, we've had, he's had his share of failures and disappointments in the garden, the plants that died that weren't supposed to, the the blight and the bugs and the whatever else that comes along. But he's always trying to figure out, well, then that happened last year with my tomatoes, tomato sets. How can I this year do it differently? And where can exactly. I? And he's forever adapting, and he, but he still persists. He's still convinced that he can make a beautiful garden, and by golly, he does every year. Yes. So I want to thank you, Tony, because... I know that you didn't feel like you fit in with the morning glory story, but you do indeed, because the notion of embracing hope, embracing optimism of having a vision, having a dream and sticking to it is certainly a morning glory story. Thank you so much for being part of this episode. And, and those of you interested, you can see Tony Gatoni and it's spelled T O N I G A T T O N E the lifelong gardener, garden with ease and joy at any age. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Betsy. Well, I have to admit that I rather like it that we finally had a literal discussion about morning glories, <laughs> given that we're called the Morning Glory Project. But you know, it's not an accident that I picked a flower as a symbol of determination. There is that optimism there, that hope, that reaching for the light. And Tony certainly exemplifies that, both literally in her gardening and in her attitude toward continuing, not giving up, finding a way always, having optimism. It's not easy, you know? The night is long sometimes, the winter is harsh sometimes, COVID took forever, right? It's easy to get discouraged. But by re-engaging in the things that feed us, adapting, knowing our bodies and our souls and our hearts and taking care of them along the way, it helps us to stay engaged. It helps us to stay 
not only just alive, but living. That's a pretty big old extra bloom as far as I'm concerned. You can find The Lifelong Gardener wherever you find books. I hope that you'll do so at your independent bookstore. Always good to support those. And I want to thank you for listening to The Morning Glory Project. It's always my joy to have you. I hope that you are finding the light, that you're finding the sunshine, that you're finding the hope. And that indeed, whether it's the metaphor of you or the literal blooms in your garden, that you are finding a way to bloom.